Hi, everyone, and welcome to the European Startup Show, where every week I talk to exciting startups in Europe to learn more about their challenges and strategies they use to scale their business. Today's a little different. We're going to be talking to a VC about a problem that many of you may actually be able to relate to. 46% of entrepreneurs cite that access to capital is one of the biggest challenges they face as they scale their startups. While overall capital invested in European tech has increased even from last year, 41 billion was invested in 2021, which is a 130% increase from the year before. The interesting statistic is that the number of pre-seed funding rounds has actually decreased. Why is that is the topic of the conversation today. And to discuss this very important topic with me is Melinda Elmborg, who's the accelerator co-lead at Fast Track Malmo, where she helps startups grow and raise their first VC round. She's also the founder of Startup Action, an online incubator. And previously, she was a VC investor at Daphne in France. I'm delighted to welcome Melinda. Hello, Anita. Thank you so much for having me. Super happy to be here. Great. I want to give the audience uh, a bit more color Mm -hmm. on who you are and, and your background. So maybe you can talk to me about how you got here doing what you're doing. I started out in the corporate world working for like big corporations, but I very quickly felt that this is not the place for me. I need somewhere more dynamic. Then after my studies, I started working in VC where I'm part of the investment team at Daphne, which is one of the uh, bigger funds here in Paris. That was an amazing time I had over at Daphne because when you're a VC, when you're an investor, you meet so many amazing startup founders and you get to discover so many industries and learn about entrepreneurship. However, what what I started feeling after some time was that I couldn't really be there to help founders. You're supposed to say no to like 99% of all founders that you meet. That's just part of the game. That's how it is in every VC fund. So after some time, I I left Daphne and uh, I started my own company uh, doing consulting and coaching work for startup founders, where I focused a lot on metrics and also on uh, fundraising. And it was also through my time as a consultant that I discovered many of the accelerators and incubators that I started working for. And and I kind of found my calling there because then you still get to meet a lot of founders, but you also get to help them and be very hands-on. So in your role today, would you say your primary role is to help startups raise funds and and is that in all rounds or is it early stage that you're focused in with with startup action and the incubator there it's very much like general help of all different areas and it's very very early stage startups they're working on their first product and trying to get their first users at fast track malmo however we are more specific about the founders that we're looking for and our sweet spot are founders that have taken in some pre-seed funding uh, and are looking to scale up and raise a first institutional round, like a, a, a VC round of a million, three million around there in Europe. And there we're very hands-on in helping them, putting together their pitch deck, introducing them to all the investors in our network and uh, being there behind their backs and helping them get it right for their fundraising. Interesting. You've done this fundraising now for so many different startups. Mm-hmm. What have you seen in terms of trends? What is 
going well, what's working today and what is not working today? When I started working in VC, when I was at Daphne in 2017, what was the big thing back then was that there was a big problem with later stage funding in Europe, that there was these big funds were lacking that can help a start to really get to a unicorn status for years that this has really changed where the amount of capital being invested in Europe is increasing all the time. And where this growth is coming from is more late stage funds and late stage investments being done in Europe with capital also coming from Asia and from US especially. So this is working really well because it's good for the European ecosystem because we can build our own unicorns instead of selling early to American corporations. Also, what I've seen has changed uh, lately is that there are also a lot of funds that are investing tickets from 1 million and up, and they've become really professional. They know exactly what they're looking for. They are very specific in what they're looking for, and especially as experienced founders. So founders that have been in the ecosystem for quite some time, and they've already done a startup that they may be sold for a couple of millions or more, those founders have an easy time raising from those more traditional VC funds because those founders present a lower risk. The problem that we see now is that there has been a gap that has appeared for pre-seed funding. I just read the news about Axel that raised 650 million early stage European fund. Mm. Aren't others seeing this? And is there a movement towards creating more of these early stage venture capital? Or do you still see this not being enough? When VC funds say early stage and they might say, yeah, we can invest in pre-seed, but that doesn't mean they do that very often. And if they do that, it's almost reserved for second time, third time founders. Also, what counts as early stage when a fund as Excel goes out and say that is that uh, they invest up to Series A. Series A is still considered early stage and that is like 10 million euros rounds. And what is lacking is the tickets where there's less than 1 million, so a couple of hundred K, that these very early stage first-time founders need to raise to get their foot into the door and starting to build a really big, fast-growing tech business. What about the grants? There's a lot of European grants where the government steps in to give in money. I've interviewed a few entrepreneurs that applied for these grants that are by vertical or the risk or how much impact they have to certain parts of the economy, do they fill in these gaps that you're identifying? Yeah, they definitely help a lot. For the smaller tickets, like when we're talking about less than 1 million, you have more on state level, like country level. What it often ends up being are loans or funding, but you need to still find an investor that want to put into equity. And then on the country level, on country type of organization can double that money. And, and that's really good that that exists. On the European level, the grants I see, they are rather for startups that are a little bit more later stage. But it's great, especially when you're in the impact space and, and you're doing something for climate. There's lots of capital to be raised from grants. However, it is very black and white. You apply and then it takes six months to get the results. 
and maybe you get it, maybe you don't get it. Uh, and there's just one chance. So it's not like if you go out more for a traditional fundraising round, you, you just keep on meeting investors and you might find someone as more of a gray area. So in terms of the, the government funding, aid's limited maybe because they co-invest, they don't mm. necessarily invest. Yeah. And I know that there are some areas that are maybe climate or mm. specific focus areas where there is fun. Yeah. But again, it's not broad across the board for any pre-seed. No. And then the third is it takes a longer time, mm. longer cycle for those type of funds to come through. And in some cases, it may not even be proper equity funding, it may be more of a loan or yeah. something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So would I be correct in saying that where there is a hole right now, the way you see it is for entrepreneurs that are not second time founders that don't have a network and for entrepreneurs that are not working in areas where you have this kind of country level funding or grant. These are the areas where that very early low ticket funding. Mm. Isn't that the case in every country? Because it's so high risk, that very early stage. Mm. Would you not have this problem in every country? Or how are other countries dealing with this specific issue? I think this is not at all the same problem in the US. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but you have a different culture of wealthy people investing in startups. Already in the US, there's a lot more people investing in the stock exchange, the stock market. While in Europe, we have more of a tradition of a culture of being a little bit afraid of investing in the stock market. And then people don't go even further starting to invest in startups that is even more risky. So that's why Europe is a different market compared to the US because we are way more careful with our money. Also, I think that the wealth in Europe is differently distributed, is more equally distributed, which is good, but it also means that we have less angels who want to invest in startups because we pay more taxes here compared to the US. So how, how big is this problem? We can see on the numbers. This is not only a feeling that I have and people around me have. This is data that is coming from Atomico's report on the state of European tech that comes out every year. And in 2016, there were 5,300 pre-seed rounds or small seed rounds, amounts of between zero to two million dollars. And that's in 2019. We have a little bit of lag in this data, but 2019 and and then we had 3,500. Every year it's been decreasing. I hope for 2020, it's going to just stay equal and not keep on decreasing. At the same time, we have more founders than ever. We have more early stage startups than ever, but the investments is not following trends. And, and the crazy thing is that no one is talking about this. Everyone are just talking about how amazing it is that more capital is invested in Europe. But like this data is very hidden and not something that has started talking about it yet. So let's start talking about it and do something about this. <laughs> Is there a correlation between the decrease that you see in that pre-seed round and the increase in any other stage or is there no correlation? It's an unintentional consequence of the more capital that is on the market has unfortunately led us to where we are today. Because uh, a couple of years ago, the angels that used to invest in pre-seed rounds, those successful angels, they have been able to raise VC funds 
and Hmm. instead start investing larger tickets. I totally understand that they do this because when you're a general partner in a VC fund, you get 2% per year of the capital you've raised as an income to the fund, which is what you're not getting when you're an angel. Then you need to finance yourself and just invest out of your own pockets. We used to have a flow of new angels coming in, but that has stopped. That is also one of these unintentional consequences of the increased access to capital because it means that if you worked for a fast-growing startup or you have sold a startup that did good, it's very, very easy to raise capital from these VC funds. You have Mm. an idea and then you go and start talking to VCs and you can raise 2 million euros on the 10 million euro valuation without having to have anything, basically. So you can comfortably build your next business or they can also raise VC funds. Do you have any suggestions on how this gap can be corrected? I think there's a lot of uh, things that need to be done to think about the actions that we can take. We need to think back to why this is happening. As we said, in Europe, we are more risk averse. And so I think, of course, we want to get more wealthy people to become angels and educating them to be more startup savvy and, and VC savvy to help their the startups that they invest in to raising more capital and growing faster. But I don't think that's the only solution. I think also we need more pre-seed funds, funds that invest tickets of 100K, 200K, 300K. And those need to be run in a different way than what you can run as a VC fund that invests one or two or three million euro tickets. So we have some examples of this in Europe, like Seedcamp is doing a great job in this in the UK. We also have Kima in, in France that is doing this really well, but it's not enough to cover up for the over a thousand pre-seed rounds that we are missing out on every year. In, uh, in Europe at the moment. When you say that they have to be run differently than VC mm-hmm. funds, what do you mean by that? So today, VC funds, uh, when you invest bigger tickets, you can be very qualitative on how you find the startups that you want to invest in. You meet a lot of founders, you sit down and talk with them and you have a lot of network. So if you know, a previous founder that is now going to start next uh, venture, you need to be very connected and, and be able to meet that person and show your best self so that you can get to invest in that round. However, that is not working when you're investing in in pre-seed because you need to invest in a lot of startups without using too many resources. So you need to be more quantitative and not less relational. Of course, you still Mm. want to talk to people, but instead of doing 10 hours of meetings before investing, maybe you have to stick to like one hour of meetings and you're going to take more risk. You have to be ready to take more risk and invest in founders that you might not know really well yet. But I think it's really important to do this because many of the unicorns that we see today, they were founded by first-time founders. When you say you need to be more quantitative, how can you be more quantitative in that early stage where you have nothing but an idea? You have no customer, you have no data. How can you be more quantitative? So what I mean with quantitative, maybe that's not the exactly right word, but uh, what we try to do at Fast Track Malmo is to be very clear. We have a, a type form and we ask them, what is your type of business? And if they don't have a tech business we automatically send a message to them saying like, hey, 
thank you a lot for your application, but we only invest in tech businesses. Very clear criteria and also be able to share those very clear criteria with the founders so they know what they need to work on to be able to get the pre-seed funding from a a pre-seed fund. I mean, it's kind of a chicken and egg in some ways, right? Because the VCs are raising funds from LPs and from institutional to get that in their stage fund, right? Yeah. If you're going very early stage, where can they get the money from? Who's going to give them the money to invest in really, really pre-seed stage? I think LPs should be interested in in investing in pre-seed funds. The thing is that you can still make the same return because typically what you have is you have lower valuations. So actually there exist statistics on this and you actually can get a kind of the same return investing in first-time founders as second-time founders because you have a lower valuation. They have to be more like bootstrapped and more smart with their capital. So LPs should definitely be interested in investing in those kinds of funds. One party in this that has a big stake in this problem and should be motivated to want to do something about this problem is the government because if the entire startup ecosystem or VC ecosystem and and startup funding becomes reserved for this elite group, I mean, that's not great for economic growth. So what I really see in front of me is more accelerators, but accelerators that also have funds that invest in the startups that are accelerated. So you can compensate or replace maybe the lack of angels that exist on the European market today. I know that a lot of accelerators will... Mm have relationships with institutional ventures and invite them and do demo days and basically do the matchmaking. But why don't accelerators also have this really early stage pot of money? Because it's probably not their expertise. And also, if you want to raise a fund, you need to have a track record. You need to have general partners that put in 1% to 3% of the money of the fund. So, I mean, it's a bit of a hurdle to just raise a fund. It's a completely different mindset to raising that capital and having all the admin and and stuff that you need to, to actually get those LPs on board. Are there any examples of accelerators that have done this successfully? Yeah, so at Fast Track Malmö, and we're part of an incubator in Malmö called Mink. And there, there is an angel investment company, I think you can translate it to. So it's not officially a fund, but there they've been able to activate angels and family offices in the region to invest in that a company that then invests in the fast track family companies, but also other companies that are part of the main incubator. I think more of that and doing similar things, but go bigger yep. so you can invest bigger tickets into this startup. We see this a lot in the US where there are a lot of accelerators that invest bigger tickets, that invest tickets that are rather 100K or more, which is very unusual in Europe for, for accelerators. So I think there's definitely something to do there, like marry funds and accelerators. So Melinda, what about Y Combinator? Why do we not have a Y Combinator in Europe today? 
don't they fill this gap for for us and why do we not have it in europe i totally think we should have this in europe and uh, i mean why combinator has been very focused on san francisco and asking all founders to move to san francisco during the program so they've had strong american or us focus but what has happened since corona and everything has moved online we suddenly see founders from all over the world apply to Y Combinator and a lot from Europe, of course, as well. And that's like the best accelerator that exists in the world. You come into Y Combinator and it's automatic. For sure, you're going to be able to raise a, a, a bigger seed round after demo day at Y Combinator. So we have a lot of really awesome startup founders in Europe that apply and get in, the very best get into Y Combinator. And the problem that exists then for Europeans or for the European ecosystem is that those companies need to move over to the US. They need to put their startup and register it in the US to be able to get the funding and get into the program of Y Combinator. So today we're losing our best first-time founders to uh, the US and to Y Combinator. And uh, that's why I think we really need something similar to Y Combinator that is big scale. Y Combinator is doing two or 300 startups per year uh, that they invite to the program, but they're also helping them, accelerating them and uh, help them with, with further funding through their network. So they do 300 tickets of 150K per year. Sometimes you can call it the spray and pray method of investing yeah. because you just spray and, and then you hope that it's going to give a good return. But when you add an accelerator to it, you don't only pray, you're actually doing something and helping them. And that's what I think uh, Y Combinator is doing really well and we need to do more of in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the big takeaway mm. from, from this podcast is we need more Y Combinators from founders who have successfully exited, mm. from VCs, from LPs, from accelerators. We have so much talent here. Mm. We need to have more of these people come to really increase that top of the funnel flow yeah, of exactly. amazing companies, entrepreneurs, uh, first-time entrepreneurs. What about organizations like the UK Business Angels, mm. it seems like that's the type of organization that can do more in terms of awareness, networking, education, connection to the startup ecosystem. What have you seen there in terms of what they are doing well and maybe what they can do more of to solve this problem? All those organizations are great initiatives and it has helped a lot of startups uh, actually to raise funding, even though they don't have any angels in their network. So it is really good that they exist. But I think from my experience is that they need to become even more VC savvy and startup savvy. Mm -hmm. And many of them don't come from a startup background that are running these organizations or that invest through these organizations. So they are thinking of startups more as a traditional business, which is not how it works. You know, if you want a fast growing business, it's not any rule or anything, but seen examples of them investing at very low valuation and pushing when they are on the board, pushing the founders in a different direction, not growing faster and not doing what we need them to do to become European unicorns. Yeah. Well, I know, Melinda, you've been thinking about this problem for a long time and you reached out to me, which I really appreciate because you're right, like we're not talking enough about this. Mm -hmm. So first of all, thank you so much for reaching out to have more conversations here. But 
Can you summarize for me, what are some of the things we can do in Europe to fix this gap? I think we need more angel organizations and that they are arranged by angels or by other organizations that are really close to the startup ecosystem and that know the VC world. But then I think the the larger VC companies have a stake in this. They should be interested in wanting to solve this because this is their future deal flow. This is the deal flow that they're going to have in three or four or five years. So I think they should be engaged with accelerators, which we see an example of now with SoftBank and Speed Invest and Briga is also a venture fund who is doing the Emerge Accelerator. So more of that, not only SoftBank and those investors, but more later stage investors should get engaged in this and then getting government activated in helping giving uh, funding to accelerators to help fund accelerators for first time founders. I love that. I wonder if we should even have a pre-seed angel focused conference where we can have angels come and speak about what's happening early stage and maybe it can influence other people to to get excited and to do more in this space. Yeah, I would love that. Hopefully conferences can get started soon again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the next thing Melinda, you and I do. Is there anything else I should have asked you about this very interesting topic that I haven't? I think it's uh, interesting talking about, okay, if I am a, a first-time founder and I want to raise 200, 300K, what should I do? First of all, for all those founders, I want to tell you, take the time. Like it's going to take time. Don't wait, start to talk to investors, do it earlier rather than later, because it's going to take time. And having those relationships from some time before helps a lot. Try to connect with incubators and accelerators because they have networks around them with good angels that are serious in investing and also earlier stage funds they can also be connected with. And then lastly, Try to be very strategic in how you find angels. Try to find really relevant angels. That's the key in finding an angel investor. First of all, angels love investing locally in their own country or even in their own city. And second of all, if they have shown interest in your space because they've already invested in a startup that is in your industry, like if you're doing future of work or if you're doing a SaaS, try to identify angels through PitchBook or Crunchbase that have invested in these startups that are in the same industry as, as you are. Those are amazing, really practical things that people can do. Yeah. I love what you said about where can you go to find angels for your space, for your industry, mm -hmm. in your geos. So you mentioned Crunchbase and PitchBook. How else can people find the right angels? I feel like that's still this black box for a lot of first-time founders. Yeah, it's a huge black box. And I think it's always going to be like that because angels, they are free to do whatever they want. So they're not structured in a platform or anything. And it's all about the network, but luckily now you have a lot of resources online. So I just recommend everyone to follow the local tech news all the time or European tech news, because there, when someone raises around, they usually put the name of the angels that have invested. So mm. there you can also find angels and contact them very strategically. Like, hey, I see that you're interested in SaaS and we're in the same city. Let's have a chat. I'm yeah. working on something. And then yeah. you should be able to get a foot in the door. 
Alinda. This is a really fascinating discussion, one that we need to keep having. Yes. I think I'm going to be reaching out to you more. Maybe we can try and do something else, organize sort of a virtual event and have a larger audience to come and pick apart this issue a bit more. So some VCs, some entrepreneurs, some angels, people maybe from the government and see if we can have a more multifaceted discussion around this problem. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love that. Great. Well, thank you again, Melinda, for being on the show. Thank you so much for, for having me. It was uh, such a great experience. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. I don't charge guests to be on the show and your ratings and review help the show stay alive. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, keep building.